The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. On the night of January 14, 2001, three teenagers drove around Anchorage shooting homeless people with frozen paintballs fired from a paintball gun. The all-white group videotaped their crime as they drove through the city's downtown area and Mountain View neighborhood. The Anchorage Daily News reported that the group targeted exclusively Alaska natives, and one detective on the case was quoted as saying, they were cowards. They made sure their doors were locked and they would not shoot at red lights where they would have to stop. Based on the footage from the tape, the police defined the crime as a hate crime. In the wake of the incident, discussions were held by the Alaska Advisory Committee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights launched an investigation, resulting in a report titled, Racism's Frontier, The Untold Story of Discrimination and Division in Alaska. The report was published in April of 2002 and noted, The state of Alaska, with its diverse population and vast geographic area, faces many unique challenges, several of which have civil rights implications. While the state's history is a short one, the history of its indigenous people dates back thousands of years, creating division between culture, tradition, and progress, and resulting in a racially charged environment. On this episode, we're considering racism and the legacy of colonialism as one of the hydras that is homelessness. I recently sat down at a local coffee shop for a conversation with Samuel Johns. You will hear the hustle and bustle of that coffee shop as we talk. I invite you to pour yourself a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us in the coffee shop for our conversation. That I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places Where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wild Samuel, Samuel Johns. Um, my dad is uh, Atna Athabaskan from Copper, Copper Center. My mom is uh, Nitsai Gwich'in from Arctic Village. And uh, I grew up in Copper Center, but I've been paying rent in Anchorage for a while now. Um, I, that's why I say it that way. I don't want to claim it. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm from, from Copper Center. But uh, I, uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, so this season we're talking about homelessness in Anchorage, and I know you've worked some in that area over your lifetime. So what's been kind of your involvement with homelessness in your life? 
Um, well, at, at first, I uh, I was just um, so I'm at the Baskin and uh, we do drumming and singing when we're like grieving and when we're together. Um, at first, I I just uh, on my downtime after I got I got laid off from a construction job like almost eight years ago. They uh, after I got laid off, I um, started bringing my drum down to uh, the Beans Cafe to like drum and sing for them, and I did that like for, like once a week for like five weeks or six weeks or so. I can't remember how long I, I did it for. But that's what I did for a while, and uh, um, and then that's what built my relationship with the, you know, that community. And over time, I started seeing like some of the things that were going on. Like some people just needed help home. Some people just needed a, a, a way to get back to their village. They just didn't have an ID or money for a ticket. So I used Facebook to connect the dots to people with resources to get people back home and you know that's how I got involved and yeah 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 and that was the forget me not project oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's called forget me not yeah and that was so tell me a little bit more about that project you're talking about getting people connected with just kind of the resources they need to yeah um I just uh um you know after like talking with this lady that wanted to go back to her village I didn't write any of her information down so when I went home I I realized that I I offered her help but I didn't write her information down so I went back to the gas station to find her and I couldn't find her and uh, I remember to me that was like a real problem because I was like her knight in shining armor you know she was really happy like this stranger was just like you need to you need to help back to your village she's like yeah I would do anything and then I was gone and I didn't write any information down and I uh, felt really bad so I thought if I wrote it in my notes in my phone and I lost my phone I would never have that information again yeah so I thought um, I can make a private Facebook group just for me to document people's information. Mm. That's all it was for yeah. when I first started thinking about it. So I wanted to just document people's information privately. But over time, um, I started talking with people about it, asking friends about it, and they were like, they were like, no, you need to make that public. And I felt kind of weird about it because there's this like taboo towards like exploiting people that are going through such traumatic things. Yeah, absolutely. And I just felt funny about it, about making a whole thing around posting pictures. And I just didn't know how to, you know, it, it really, I don't want to say it hasn't been done before, but here in Anchorage, it really hasn't been done before. So, mm -hmm. so then um, I finally got the courage to do that. It was on June 10th, 2015. I created that Facebook group and it blew up. It, it fucking, I didn't mean to cuss, but I, it blew up. It was like, it was crazy. It, I didn't expect it to do that. And then uh, I, I kind of uh, 
thought that it would just have like it's 15 minutes of fame <laughs> yeah. and and then so I put it on ignore and I didn't bother with it I for like a week I totally ignored it I remember the next day after I created the group there was like 3,000 members and and then I ignored it I was like okay I know everyone's just like excited about this but this is America and people get excited about things and then they just forget about it right yep. away yeah, yeah. so I was like I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna jump on this hype train and so I ignored it. And then like a week later, this lady messaged me and was like, thank you so much for getting my brother home. And she sent me this picture of him eating. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And she's like, no, I posted a picture of him on your group and somebody found him and had Alaska Airline miles. Mm. Um, so that person got him a ticket and brought him back to Bethel using your group. And I was like, what? And that's where that that click, where I could ask for miles. So then I looked up on that Alaska Airlines and I was like, oh, it's 7,500 for this ticket. It's, you know, 12,500 for this ticket. And that's where I was like, that's what I can target then. That's what I can target is Alaska Airlines miles. You know, that's what I can make this thing about is where I post on there for miles. And that was the big thing. So I, after that, that's when I started asking for miles. And that's when a lot of the attention started really, people started seeing it as a real big deal because like, I think one time I posted for 30,000 and I got like 200,000 in like 15 minutes. Yeah, it was crazy. and. Everyone was just ready because I think a lot of people just had a lot of airline miles that they weren't using, and um, yeah, that was crazy. So it was a lot, and it was something I I was not prepared for, you know. But it was it was pretty incredible to be a part of that because I got to see. <clears throat> I know I'm not I'm not a religious man, but. I could see something else aligning everything because it was almost scary because this guy would be like, I need a guitar, this almost guy, you know, I need a guitar and I, I swear to God, like, I posted on Forget Me Not and like, I could see this as like a movie because it's really happened, like, I, he said I need a guitar, I post a picture with him said, hey, this guy is a musician, he really wants a guitar, and then I posted it. While me and him were talking, before I posted that, Lady Off Boniface um, took a guitar out of the uh, closet to, to sell it on Craigslist. She, it's been in there for like six years, never bothered with it. She's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of this. So in her time frame, she gets it, she takes it out of the case, and it's all dusty. Cleaned it, and then uh, when she cleaned it, she took a picture of it. She took a picture of the guitar, and right when she took a picture of it, she got the notification of my post. Because I, oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So I posted it, and not even like five seconds later, the lady was like, "I messaged me. She was like, I have a guitar for you.'" And I was like, "Heart." It was like 10, <laughs> ten seconds. Yeah. I was like. Look, this lady has a guitar for you. He's like that fast. 
was like, yeah, let's go. And we drove out to Boniface and picked it up. And she was like, it was crazy. I like literally like, it's been in my closet for six years. And I cleaned it. And I took a picture of it. Right when I took a picture of it, it was like, bing. I was like, are you serious? She was like, yeah. And that happened so many times with so many people. And it, it wasn't even me. You know, people were like, man, you're doing amazing work. And I'm like, bro, it's not me. It's alignments. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like just crazy yeah. alignments of people's needs and the other people out there. It's like, it's like uh, Facebook. I mean, if you really look at it, you can see how Facebook is a big, you know, it's a big network that help a lot of people get notified really quickly. Yeah. But it was cool how so many people out there had all these needs. I mean, they had all these things that they didn't know what to do with. And this guy was like, I need this. And I'd be like, Psh. and then one of them in the group was like, hey, I got that. And it was like, boom, so quickly, so quickly. And it was just happened over and over again, you know? And, and I was like, it was crazy. like. I, I thought it was insane because I didn't expect it. I was just working, I was just on building a senior citizen home in Eagle River like months before that. And, right. and I'm, now everyone's like knowing who I am and everyone's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, man, you're doing like, I couldn't even go out to eat. Like I would go and eat and somebody would pay for my meal. It'd be <laughs> like, just do the randomness. Like me and my family would just be eating. They'd be like, hey, your meal is taken care of. I'm like, man. <laughs> You know, but it would happen a lot, man. Yeah. It, was, it was so. I guess things do come full circle when it, you know, I, there was a lot of secondary trauma, a lot of like stress, a lot of like, you know. <clears throat> but then there are little rewards like that where you know, I, people show a little recognition that way, which is nice. But yeah, my bad. I, I think I went way too far. Oh no, you're totally fine. It's it's amazing all those different connections happening. Like you said, like things just lining up. Yeah. And just simply by using a tool that could communicate what the needs are yeah. to folks who might be able to fill the need, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and a big part of that was me, like, just being annoyed at people um, wanting just a dopamine high, you know, like yeah. a cat photo. They're like, ah, yeah. yes, I'm going on Facebook for a cat photo. I'm like, man, this is a tool. <laughs> like, this is a really cool tool, you know, and if we use it right, we can do some pretty cool stuff with it, you know, and, it happened, and I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but then again, you know, like I said, it turned into I, I turned into a broke ass Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said you you got kind of involved by going down and, and doing drumming and so on. Um, yeah. At the at the cafe at Beans Cafe, um, and that that brings to mind um, one of our previous guests this season, Emily Masitis from Centers for Disease Control was talking about when I asked her, like, what do people often miss? And she kind of talked about the racial inequities that are present inside of homelessness. Yeah. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit to that. Like, where does that come from? Like, what's the reality of the racial inequities that are kind of present in homelessness? I truly, um, I truly believe that if, uh, if the indigenous people in their own communities had their own judicial system you would not see so many homeless people here you would not <clears throat> because we would have our own ways to punish our own and then I don't even like to use the word punish mm -hmm. like you know because I think 
one of the things that kept us going was restorative justice. We we have we we had the emotional intelligence to do that, you know. Yeah. But like after colonization, it's like there really can't be restorative justice with a capitalistic society because. For that to happen, there needs to be so many programs in place for people to get good jobs again. Mm. You know? Yeah. So, like, we have this one guy that came in because he grew up with this, uh, he grew up as a carpenter. His friend grew up as a VPSO, uh, and they got in a fight. They grew up together. Right. Yeah. They got in a fight. He went to jail. He had to leave his village, which is outside of Nome, and they. He came here on their dime. Boom. Spent time in jail, and then when he got released, he uh, he asked the he didn't have no ID. No, you know, he didn't have no ID, no, no, nothing, no, nothing. Right. Yeah. He got released from jail, and he went to the uh, clerk at the at the courthouse. He said, "Ma'am, I was just released from jail. I don't know what to do. I'm not from here." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Go to C Street. Walk up to C Street. Go all the way to 36th Avenue." you'll see a big glass building and you'll find the BIA Bureau of Indian Affairs and you can get an ID there I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah that's what she told you to walk 36 blocks like there's no no program in place to like help him get back into society get back home it's like, oh, beat your time? Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. It's a hard world out there. You would not do that to someone from Thailand. You would not do that to someone. There, there is like a liaison, right? There's someone there that would actually be able to communicate the needs and be like, hey, just let you know, this person is not from here. This person did not grow up with this type of lingo, this language here, this judicial language. And that is not highlighted ever. That is not. We got people that grew up with their grandparents in a community where you grow up with your grandparents and you get caught doing something and they ask you if you did it, you say, Yes, I did that. I'm sorry. I won't ever do it again. But you go to a court and you still have that same mindset of being an honest person. You're gonna get crushed because the judge is like, oh, this is an easy case. Guilty. Mm-hmm. When he was like, wait, the person's like, you're supposed to say no contest. You're like, oh, I didn't know. You're like, hey, you just pled guilty, man. What the hell's wrong with you? You know? It's like there's so many if you look at the court news, if you look at like so many people out there and you ask them about their their, their court 
about what's going on, you'll see it like that they signed up to get out of jail early to be on probation, which is modern day cultural genocide. Because what you're doing is you're taking a male, a hunter, a teacher out of the community and punishing them and sending them to jail, releasing them to the city. And, and still continuously keeping them in this like capitalistic realm, which is another jail. We don't, the, the society doesn't see it as that. Society does not see it as that. But to this man that grew up off the land, this man that grew up off the, women too, I shouldn't just make this like a patriarchal conversation, but like this person that grew up off the land is now on probation till, like say someone got out today, and he's on probation till August 2023. He's like, man, I just want to go home. Mm -hmm. I just want to go home. And I met so many people that try to tell me, man, I want to go home. I'm like, man, I, I can get you home. And he's like, I can't. I'm on probation. I can't leave the Anchorage vicinity till this day. I'm like, bro, what? How the heck that happened? And then in between that time, they'll break their probation and get right back in there. And it's like a, a, a Bermuda Triangle, you know? Mm -hmm. um, homeless, soup kitchen, you know, um, shelter, jail. Like, it's like boom, 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 boom. And then someone from the outside looks at them and it's like, man, that person is lazy. Mm. Like, no, that person is not lazy. Because if you were in the middle of nowhere with that man right now, he would fucking save you. He is not lazy. He is just in the wrong place. He, that man could save you. Like, people don't see that, you know? They're like, they're like, man, look at that man right there on the corner, bum and change. Like, bro, if you were in his community, you would be kind of in the same mindset of like, I need help. How to help me be, how do I be out here? Like, what do I do? Like, I'm like, he's just in the wrong place. You, you, you switch roles and you're in his community. Dude, you'd see him as like a, a whole different person. He'd be like, man, I'm going to show you how to get some beluga. I'm going to show you how to cut up this caribou. I'm going to show you how we can divvy it up. And, you know, it's like a whole different different thing, you know. And, uh, yeah, I really feel like uh, like if, if our people had our own way of uh, having um, our own court system, our own way of you know, it would, it would, it would, things would be a lot different. You, you wouldn't see so many people stuck here, you, you know, because a lot of people, you know, there's like this meter where you have morale, right? You have morale and you have hope. So you're on, you're, you, 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 you come here and you have that morale and you have hope. But if you're here for too long, you get into that apathy to where you're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna die here. Mm. And that's where a lot of people are at now, where you see them and they're like, man, how come you don't do more with this life? I'm like, bro, because he, he was happy where he was at. He was happy before he came here. Mm. So the majority of them weren't here to begin with. 
you know? Right. And yeah, so that's, that's where I go. My bad, I didn't mean to. No, that's totally great. I mean, one of the ways we've been thinking about homelessness this season is that there's all these different heads, like a hydra, like a snake with all these different heads. Yeah. And one that I, I don't think I would have ever thought of is this idea of like, if um, indigenous folks were able to do their own justice system, how that affects the homelessness in Anchorage. Yeah. And I guess my follow-up question to that is, I can see how people would get trapped in Anchorage. Yeah. Like, you're here, you're incarcerated, then you have to be on probation, like, exactly the cycle that you described. Are there other ways that folks end up be getting kind of caught in Anchorage and then they can't get out? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think other people get banned from their community, you know? And I think... Uh, I don't necessarily think they can't get out. Like, I've had things where, where uh, this is really sad. Where like I've had stories come in where a mother was doing well, but OCS got called in her house, and her kids got taken away. And they were, she had a job, she was doing well, but just a bad timing. <sighs> I don't understand what happened. I don't know how OCS took the kids, but the kids got brought here to Anchorage. Mm. She gave up her life there to come here, and she's homeless. Mm -hmm. She she was like, I'm dropping everything, and I'm going there. And here, she's able to like be a party girl. You know, she's still kind of like an alcoholic. I don't know if she's still. This was years ago. Yeah. But she's still able to like. She was still able to like run around and party. But then she was able to take a break and go see her kids for a little bit. She wasn't able to do that at home. Yeah. You know, and like I feel like there's different things that take place. Like like OCS. I don't want to blame OCS, but like you know, like things like that where OCS will take someone's kids, and they're like, I'm just gonna fucking leave here and I'm going to follow my kids even yeah. if it's not the most best financial like decision they're like I don't really care because I'm following my heart you know even if like yeah, yeah it's, it's horrible and there's other situations where like uh, this one guy came here um, for medical and he uh he had it. He was here with his daughter or granddaughter, and she was getting her heart looked at. And like you, you are able to drink, like you, like saying, and yeah. nobody will ever say nothing. Like if you were to have a beer, they'd be like, you know, like yeah. it wouldn't yeah. be a big deal. With Medicaid, there's rules where you, you're not allowed to drink. It's like a big, big thing. And I'm like, that's kind of sucks because there's a lot of people that can handle alcohol. Yeah, yeah. That should be able to. It seems like a racist rule, you know, that like kind of generalizes all natives. And you're like, all y'all can't handle your alcohol. Therefore, when you're here for medical, you none of y'all can drink. Of course, like if you're responsible and you're an adult and you like want to have a couple drinks, I think you should be able to, you know? And he did that before we're going to the airport. They caught a, a cab to the airport, him and his granddaughter. And when they were checking in, um, when they were checking in, the lady at the that was getting in their tickets, yeah. uh, the, seeing their tickets, said he smelled like alcohol. 
and he couldn't be on. So he was with Medicaid. They called Medicaid and said that he was drinking. So his whole everything just got he, he got uh, it, he just got booted. Hmm. And he went back to um, the hotel, got a cab back to the hotel, and uh, they said they couldn't get him another room, and he didn't have any money. He was ready to go back home. Yeah. He didn't know anything. He didn't know what to do, so he went back to the hospital, and the hospital told him that they couldn't do anything because he drank. So he went, you know the native hospital? Mm-hmm. And then there's the college yeah. there. So there's the woods right there, right? So there's like in there trails, in the trails in there, there's like a bench. Like I went there where, where he was talking about, because I had to get his shit, I had to get all this stuff. But like, like four or five days after all this happened, this one of my Facebook friends that worked in the ER was like, hey, I really need you to hear this guy's story. I was like, okay. I show up and he's got, he almost lost an eye. He like, his whole side was so swollen and you couldn't even see his eye. And I'm like, whoa, he's like an elder. He's like my dad's age. And I'm like, bro, what happened? And he's like, I'm not from here. He's like, I, I, uh, I didn't know what to do. I don't have a phone. I don't have anything. And I came here for help. They told me that I was disqualified from Medicaid, so I, I left. And when he left, he had his backpack, his clothes, and he went over to the woods, and he laid on the bench, and he fell asleep. And he woke up with somebody pummeling him. Yeah, he like woke up, and he thought that person ripped his backpack off him, started going through his stuff, and he said he crawled, he crawled all the way back to the hospital. And that's how they, that's the only reason, that's the only way they could help him, is that he got beat. He almost, yeah. And they, they brought him back in, from the ER. He, he slept outside for like three nights, he said. He said he was out there for like three nights and slept on that bench. On the third night, someone beat him up. And uh, I found out who he was, found out uh, everything, got him his ticket back home. Um, that's one person that I did not want to remember. I don't remember his name. I don't. It was really traumatic because I was yeah. mad. And yeah. I had to go back out there and look for his stuff. And I was like, I, hope I, I was hoping I didn't see somebody that could have possibly been the person that did it to him. I was mad, and I went out there and got his stuff. It was, it was horrible. But like, that's another thing too is Medicaid. You know, Medicaid is something where it has this like very racist law where, like, you cannot drink when you're here for Medicaid. Which I understand it, but it's causing it causes issues where people get stuck here and they get they end up in more horrible um, predicaments than they would have they just went home so yeah that I have yet to cross and I have dreamed of far away places where imagination just gets lost and I would search the wild We are pausing this episode to share with you an exciting opportunity to meet fellow residents of Anchorage and engage in thought-provoking ideas. Wednesday, December 7 at 6 p.m. at Willowa Social, a culture shift is happening. Culture Shift is a monthly event brought to you by the Alaska Humanities Forum. At each Culture Shift event, two guests take turns speaking on a topic that they're passionate about. 
an idea that challenges cultural norms or assumptions. Then the audience takes part in a fun, interactive, and thought-provoking Q&A to find connections between the two. At the December Culture Shift event, I'm one of the guests speaking. I'll be sharing about how human sustainability is true sustainability. But even if I wasn't one of the presenters, I'd still encourage you to go. I've started going every month, and I love it. So consider joining us Wednesday, December 7 at 6 p.m. at Willowa Social for Culture Shift. A link to information and tickets is in the show description. Now back to our conversation. And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions I never knew But loving you Back in October at the, the city council meetings, you've been talking about like systemic stuff, like um, justice, medical, um, there was another one in there, but um, yeah, we've been talking about a number of different things at like systemic level, like where the policies have been brought in yeah. by, by non-Alaska native folks, yeah. colonization. Yeah. Um, there was a guy that, that testified at the city council back in October named David Laser, who was talking about like that homelessness was quote a native problem, yeah, and that the native corporation should have to pay for the problem. Yeah, and I know that at least one assembly person kind of said that was just foolishness. Oh, but, Forrest. Yeah, Forrest is a good friend of mine. Yeah, Forrest. Yeah, yeah, was the one that said that. So, um, where does that? I guess I I wonder where that attitude kind of comes from, from your perspective. Like I've heard that the whole time I've lived in Anchorage for almost 30 years now, like people want to dismiss the homeless problem as it's something that is just a native problem and that like the corporation should, should manage it. And does that question make sense? Like it, it, so to me, it always feels like, like dumping the responsibility off, like not wanting to address some of the stuff that we've been talking about that's more systemic and causes that the, the larger, the larger issue. I hope this doesn't offend you, but no, say what you I, say. What you're gonna say? It's sad seeing how there could be so much ignorance when you have no culture. Hmm. Like, I, I feel bad for the old guy because. All he has is apple pie and baseball. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and wars. And war. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. If you're going to tell the truth, tell the truth all the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's all he could be proud about. Yeah. And he, he can't, he doesn't have the emotional intelligence to, to have empathy be like, you know what? Maybe I can give this some critical thought to see how I can help. Yeah. And I guess this is just an example of freedom of speech where everyone can have an opinion. Sad to I, I it's sad to hear his opinion. Yeah. But it, it didn't affect me in any way. What 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 does suck is him getting so much attention. Yeah. He should have just been like crazy ass old man and just moved on. You know? Right. Not yeah. make a whole article about it and make him famous to the to the bigots, you know? Yeah. 
because the bigots are like they're like minions to him and they're like yeah and and uh I I mean I I feel bad for him he he uh he's probably very proud of that moment right now and yeah, that's sure. all that he'll ever amount to which like you know which is sad I'm like bro how old are you and your biggest moment in life was to say some racist shit that's very sad and I hope you find something in your life where you can be proud of that is that your kids can be proud of not just your racist ass <laughs> well I did not <laughs> no I think that's fair <laughs> um, I know that the statistics in Anchorage are that you know about 40% of the homeless population is Alaska Native when it's about maybe 15% or so of the state population yeah um, do you think this the, the things that we were talking about earlier that you were sharing about folks getting kind of come to Anchorage for different reasons and end up having a hard time getting back home accounts for like that the fact that you know it's more than double the, the population percentage or is there other factors that you would point to as well yeah man um, I mean yeah like seeing that number it's like you know, uh, 40% of the 40% of the Alaska Native people being homeless is just a a, a blunt example of us being invited to the party 50 years late, or you know, like yeah. like. It's like uh, like you know, just monopoly. You know the, the the board game Monopoly. It's it's so it's just I don't know I don't mean to like it's 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 kind of like a ridiculous because when people question those statistics, like well just think about it like if if this was if this Alaska's colonialism was a board of game of Monopoly, you you white people were playing how many rounds before you even let us in right like y'all were like going how many I don't know how many rounds y'all got to play and then one day when y'all owned all the property that was good you were like hey you guys want to play now and then now that we're trying to play some of us are making it some of us are doing great but the ones that aren't doing great you're like man y'all are bums like no it's just it's just like statistics on when you you treat people like savages and then one day you're like oh you guys want to be be a part of this capitalistic game now I'm like uh, yeah we'll try it but some of us aren't gonna do too well you know and um, I don't know I just feel I've been just a part of this like uh, helping them for so long that it's 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 just sad to see it, you know. Like I see all the reasons why, you know. So like it's just it's just sad to see that, and it's you know what's it's okay. Instead of that question, I'll I'll bring up something else. Forty percent of the Alaska homeless population. I mean, okay, forty percent of the homeless population in Alaska is home, uh, Alaska Native, right? We know that. Those are statistics that we know. We can repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Yep. 
when are we going to bring up the conversation of the people that are in charge of those organizations? The people that are in charge of those organizations, the people that have the the, the people that are like that have the uh, the access to the funding, the access to the resources, the people. Those, what is the percentage of those people? And if you look at it, you'll see that there's disproportionate. Like a, a uh, you see that how it's it's you see. It, 40% of Alaska Native people are homeless, but then you look at the board members, the workers, the case managers, how, what's the percentage of those people being white? Yeah. Like, let's ask that question. I'm not trying to say let's fire a bunch of people, but I'm saying, how are those people gonna understand what this 40% of people are going through when, they, they, when they're not even on the same page? You know, so like I feel like the I know I know how many people in Alaska are homeless. I don't know how many people are Alaska Native that are helping them, and I have those positions. I I would love to see that Catholic Social Services hired an Alaska Native person to be the director. They were like, hey, we made this initiative where most of our case managers are going to be Alaska Native. Hey, we have this. It's like, they're like, wait, we see a different, you know, like yeah. a different way of changing things. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. Growing up in a small community, I thought that white people were the epitome of, of, of success. Because I grew up in a small community where my cousins were alcoholics, my cousins would go out drinking, my older cousins would go out drinking. The only people that came into my community were vacation Bible school kids that were that were white. All of them. The whole bus was full of white kids that were that were uh, cool, um, not toxic, positive, full of like good vibes. Like, I'm like, dang, man, these kids, this is everything I want to be. Like, everything I want to be. And, like, in my mind, I'm like, dang, but I had no idea how that would mess up my confidence as an adult. Yeah. No idea how that would mess up my confidence because when they left, all I had were the people around me. I'm like, I had this idea of what success should be, yeah. but I would never be that. Never be that. So if we were to hire case managers, directors, all these people, give them big positions. I think a lot of the homeless people that are here, that are stuck here, will be able to see them in those positions. Mm. They'll be able to see themselves in those positions. They'll be like, I mean, because I damn sure can, I know people that are homeless that can be case managers, mm. that do have powerful stories. Yeah. They're like, that can just change people, like just from sharing their story. But they don't believe in themselves because the people that are helping them aren't who they are. You know, it's like they have a hard time seeing it in themselves. And I feel like if if, if they were able to have that initiative, like if Catholic Social Services had that initiative to to change the dynamics of who is, you know, yeah, I think a lot. I think some big changes would happen. Big changes, and not just overnight. Like like within like five years, you know. Big changes will happen. You'll yeah. see that the confidence will be back. The confidence that people don't have will be back. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Nothing would happen overnight, but you're right. That yeah. would, it would trigger changes that we begin to see as it became more and more normalized. Yeah. yeah. And it would feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I feel more comfortable talking to a native counselor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Than a white woman. Yeah. You know? Like, I have a hard time. It takes me like four four visits till I finally, like, I'm like, oh, you're, you're actually a good person. Like, you know, for me, I'm like, I grew up not knowing and having trust issues of outsiders, you know? Yep. It's just me. But when it's a native person, I don't like that. I'm like, bro, I don't know if you're a bad person, but I can be like, vibe with you and I'll tell you my story. But I'm like, after after it's over, I'm like, that's a problem. No, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I trust you way too much. But like, I think that though, I think that, you know, when it comes to those statistics, we need to think about the statistics for the people that have the resources to the funding. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, who are the who are the people in power? Who have exactly. the ability to change things? Exactly, yeah. and let's look at the percentages of people there. Let's see, look at their ethnicities and see what they are. Yeah, you know, and I think that's when you know because they can do the they can they can show us those percentages all they want and be like, we need more funding, we need more funding. Look at this, look at this, and we're like, hey, let's flip the script, and they're like, oh no 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 no, don't do that. No. <laughs> it reminds me of a couple of years ago there was an opinion piece that. Um, Dr. E.J. David from the university wrote that was asking about Mountain View. um, He was talking about Mountain View, but the one I was thinking of, and maybe it's the same article, but he was talking about there's always this um, in Anchorage, always promoting the idea of it's a diverse city, but who are the people in power and is that diverse? And I think it's the same thing you're asking. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing because it was so annoying. Me and him are, he's a good friend of mine. We were actually talking about that where it's so annoying that they can highlight and just be like we're so diverse I'm like no we're not look at the people in power we're not diverse it is still 1980s in that office <laughs> or earlier even yeah. maybe <laughs> yeah since we've never elected anything other than a white male oh mayor so yeah maybe you've already gotten into this but one question we've been asking all season for folks is if you had a magic wand to uh to do something to change homelessness and colonialism, like what would you use your magic wand for? Like no barriers, you don't have to worry about funding or capacity or any of that fun stuff. Like, what would you use your magic wand for? So, my answer is kind of like kind of it's kind of different. I would do like a Jedi mind trick, you know? Yeah. Where I would. Um, release them from the mindset of survival mode like mm. you know yeah. to where they're like like just calm no more like you know like if you look at homeless people a lot of them are like in survival mode all the time ready to like man somebody's gonna steal my shit yeah somebody's gonna you know somebody's gonna try to stab me somebody's gonna you know but what I want is to take them out of that mindset of survival mode to, to, and then to implement um, consistent, um, consistent plans for their goals, you know? Because once you're out of that survival mode, you're able to be consistent again. You cannot be consistent when you're in survival mode. It just cannot happen. You, you can, you can be ex- excited about a goal, Pursue it, but the survival mode will always get to you because you, you'll always get in the way because you always got other shit to worry about. Yeah. But 
I feel like if you're out of survival mode, you're in that thrive mode. That's the opposite of it. Thrive, thrive mode, where you're, you're gonna you're gonna push for that goal. You're gonna get that done. You're gonna be consistent with it, and that's what I would like to see. And that's the one thing that I, it's hard for me to see with the the people that are in that um, in that community is that uh, a lot of them cannot be consistent. You know, that's yeah. like a lot of them cannot, and that's. And I see that the reason why they can't be consistent is because they're in survival mode. Like it's something that you just can't do, and that's why you know a lot of a lot of like my people don't have really good credit scores. You know, it's because we just can't be consistent with paying our bills. Paying our, you know, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. survival mode is what it's it's something that um, it 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 kind of pushes that away consistency to where it's sporadic now. You know, and and how are you gonna pursue a goal when you're being sporadic? You know, and yeah. I don't know. And so I, that's what I think, and that's why I think my answer is kind of different. I hope people can understand what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, um, I would just try and take their mindset away from survival mode, and then implement goals, um, implement consistent plans for them to reach their goals. Because yeah, it'd be nice to like. You know, the one thing that I really love to see, like when I worked for Catholic Social Services, we opened up a new um, place called the Complex Care. And one of the guys that was staying there was sitting on the bench and he was reading a book. And I was just so blown away by it because I've never seen a homeless man like read a book before like that. And so it's peace. And I went up to him, I was like, hey man, what are you reading? like talking to him about it he was talking to him. I was like you like reading he's like yeah I was like man I ain't never seen you read before because I seen him around down at mm-hmm. Brother Francis yeah. and he's like you you ever try to read at Brother Francis shelter I was like yeah man you try that I was like dang I never even thought of that Yeah. but it must be hard to like try to like focus on something to try to like pursue a goal when you're around so much like chaotic things you know like I don't want to say it's chaotic down there, but I'm sure some people would see it as that. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, so, like, taking them out of survival mode so they can read a fucking book, you know? Like, just be at peace with things, you know? And I think that would be really cool. Not even to make them successful in life, but just to be at peace, you know? That would, that would be my magic wand thing, is to take them out of survival mode. Yeah, I love that moving them from moving the mindset from kind of the tyranny or the like the urgency of like the moment of like needing to survive when you can't think long range yeah yeah like you just really can't your no. brain's not wired to do that yeah to move to be able to move away from that so you could think long term yeah that would make a huge difference for yeah. sure yeah. yeah it's funny when like I'm, I'm in survival mode and people are like man you know we should go on a trip in like April I'm like bro I'm, I'm talking about April man <laughs> I think about tomorrow. Right? I'm like, yo, I'm worried about tomorrow, right? Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about April. <laughs> Who the hell is talking about April? <laughs> well, before I ask the last question, I'll ask one more. Is, is what what am I missing? What 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 would you want folks to know about homelessness or about racism and colonialism that maybe I missed or we haven't talked about yet? Man, you know one thing that I would. It's kind of controversial, but one thing that I would I would really love to see is <clears throat> um, 
every Sunday churches get um, offerings, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what that, where that goes, but there are churches with small congregations that I would never bother with. They probably need those offerings, you know. But there are big ones like Change Point. Um, Baptist Church up Northern Lights. Like, there's big churches here, right? I want to see. I don't want to hear another apology. Like I don't want to hear. It's like it's just like a it's like a publicity stunt. I feel like you know, like a church apologizing. Yeah, yeah. Because that's all that happened when we're still in our we we were still assimilated. You know, we're like we're still there. We're still we still don't have our culture. We still we're still not speaking in our language. We're still, you know. And they're like, I'm sorry. All right. And they're on, <laughs> you know. And we're like, we're we're still, you know. Thank you for the apology, and that's it. But I feel like <clears throat> change point. Um, the Baptist church, whatever the church is big, you know, whatever church has gets uh, large amounts of money every week, I feel like there needs to be a reallocation towards cultural revitalization. Mm. I feel like uh, I feel like um, they need to appoint someone where I think this is where ignorance and empathy need to like Empathy needs to take over ignorance because mm. I feel like churches, these churches, need to appoint someone that is not affiliated. You know, mm-hmm. that's not affiliated, and trust them with these funds yeah. to reallocate towards cultural revitalization here in Anchorage. Yeah, like being like, all right, so and someone that will have the ability, and knowledge to identify who's Anupiak, who's Yupik, who's Alutik, who's uh, Athabaskan, Clinket, Haida, like for them to appoint someone to be like, all right, um, this is a, a big project that I'm saying, right? Yeah. But I'm saying like, I think that that would be a really big deal because every time I bring up, I say, they'd be like, what, how can we help the homeless out? I'm like, culture culture like culture like find out who they are find out where they're from ask ask that man what they used to call him in this village they'd be like oh you're from you're you're a yupik you have a yupik name it's like yeah you call him his yupik name you'll see him different mm-hmm. you'll, you'll you'll see him hold himself differently yeah right yeah. you're like you call him uh thomas because that's what he was he had a government name yeah but you actually be like you're from chibak yeah, yeah, I'm from T-Bag. Like, what the, what, what's your, what was your name? And they'd be like, oh. Like, you know, it's like yeah. a different respect, a different... Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're shining a different light on them. They're like, they'll tell you. And you call them that. And you, you look at him. Dang, he's holding himself up differently. Another guy, you know, uh, was crying. You know, this guy I was talking with was crying and was broken hurting about uh, a death in the family and I asked him I said and he was drinking I said what do you what do you do in your village what, what is it that you do it's like I uh, I'm a master carver and he said it like with pride mm-hmm. oh yeah. he's like yeah I'm a master carver he's 
like, damn, okay. It's like, yeah. Probably one of the best in my area, too. And, like, it was amazing. Within a few seconds, he was a sad, broken man, like, sitting there like this, you know? And he was just crying. He was like, and I said, so what do you do at home? And it's like, he just was like, like, it was like, I was like, like, what just happened? Mm. He was like, I'm a master carver. It's like, if I had the tools, I, would, I could carve anything for you mm. with ivory. Yeah. It's like, really? Like, yeah, I, I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm good at. But I, you know, I'm stuck here, you know. So like, culture, giving them the tools to remind them of who they are, like, figuring out what they need. Like, it, 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 you'll, you'll, that you'll help them transform. Because first you'll see Quincy, that's that guy's name, you'll see Quincy, the homeless guy, standing on the corner. You give him his tools, he's no longer Quincy, the homeless guy, standing on the corner. You give him his tools, that's that master carver, Quincy. Yeah. Like, it's a, you know, it's a totally different thing. And where we can get those funds from is from these churches that once took all that away. Mm. And to be like, you get funding once a week, we can allocate these towards cultural revitalization. You can appoint someone that's non-affiliated, that can help um, identify who needs what. Go to these uh, soup kitchens, shelters, um, doing surveys, finding out how many, uh, oh, so, the rescue mission, they have uh, 30% Anupiaq people. Like, yeah, you can say 40% of the population of the homeless is Alaska Native, but that's just putting a blanket over them. Let's talk about who this 40% is. And when you do that, that's when real change happens. That's when you're like, okay, let's let's look at this 40%. And then you break it out and you're like, 20% Anupiaq. Um, you know, um, 10% Yupik. Like, you know, 15% at the basket. Like, you, you start, like, identifying, like, these people. And then you'll be able to um, um, give them the tools appropriately instead of just giving uh, an Anupiak man an Athabascan drum. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we know who you are. We know what you want. And they were like, dang, man, this is all I wanted. Like, this is what's going to help me get out of survival mode. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, that would be my magic one. No. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I like that you're tying it back to, like you said, so much of the the assimilation happened through these religious organizations, through Christian religious organizations. So to have the solution also come through that would be, like, the proper route. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I think that it would be... Uh, and it would show who actually had. It would show which churches have empathy. Hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. They, the ones that would be like, no. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're ignorant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Still got work to do. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last question I always ask guests is: Is there a self-care or mindfulness or spiritual practice that you do personally that kind of helps keep you centered in the work that you're doing. Yeah, I, I 
I listened to a book over and over again about Genghis Khan. And I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like listening to Audible. It's something that I think is really, really helpful to me. I because I don't have to watch. I don't have to watch it, mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm. I try to be cautious on my dopamine intake, mm -hmm. and I think that Audible just gives me a lot of serotonin. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just gives me a lot of, like, those good chemicals, other than, like, that dopamine high that Facebook, Snapchat, yeah. TikTok, all those things just kind of give you, like, a quick little, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Quick little hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, with Audible, I'm like, damn. Like, whoa, I didn't know that. Like, you know, I'm sitting there and I just listen to them. And, like, I, like that, that Genghis Khan joke, like, I love that book. I, like... I think I've listened to it about four times already, and I've learned so much from it. Like you know, like, and I think that's something that helps me out is by just, uh, like I said, I was always in survival mode, right? Not survival mode, but always in uh, Batman mode. But what takes me away from that is taking in information that has nothing to do with what I'm doing, and yeah. just listening to history and. Yeah, I like I like learning about history a lot. I, you know, like one of my favorite things was in that book about Genghis Khan was like, like one. I always wondered how the Mongol Empire was so good. One of the things that helped them out in a big way was dry meat. It's what? Dry meat. Okay. It's like jerky. Oh yeah. Yeah. No smoke for ten days. Hmm. You see that? No. No fire. They can ride for 10 days with no fire. I'm like, bro, that's amazing. The Mongols, yeah. every other army in the world at that time had to build a fire, had to cook their food, had to. In the Mongol Empire, they didn't. They could ride 10 days straight. Just <laughs> And then the, the, the armies that would be resting, eating, they just sort God damn it! Like, yeah, man, it was like it blew my mind. I'm like, dang, try me. Yeah, you know they, 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 the whole army. They just had dry meat, goat milk. Like, you know, that was their. Like, dang, that's that's amazing. But yeah, uh, that's what helps me out. It's very therapeutic. I almost went on a whole long rant about a oh, long thing about King Scott. <laughs> But yeah, that's one thing that helped me out a lot. Is learning about history, learning about, you know, uh, you know, it, it's 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 my self care. Um, I don't like to go down those YouTube conspiracy rabbit holes, but I also like to learn about like World War Two, World War One, uh, like the the history of our currency, like you know, like yeah. just like I just like to learn about stuff and. That's that's my self care. That's my way of like, and then I then I am not thinking about all the sad shit. Anymore. I'm like, you know, like usually I'm like thinking about something sad that happened, but now I'm like, man, did you know the Bretton Woods system was Nina? <laughs> I'm like, what? Why are you talking about? That? 
Well, I get that it would shift your brain to like a different place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know, at first I'm sad and depressed. Now mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, you know, the Nixon shock happened in 1972, and uh, ever since then we have the fiat currency, but it's been connected to gold. I mean, it's been connected to oil. But then in '85, got connected to homes, and then in 2007, they got connected to data. And like, the people are like, what the? F-? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is what happens to my brain when I don't think about all the sad shit anymore i'm like so excited to just not you know yeah so yeah that's that's where i'm at my self-care is just learning random stuff about history just to like fill in my it's like get more information about just things that have nothing to do with me or anyone's trauma (laughs) (laughs) i get that except for whoever genghis khan came across (laughs) right well thank you so much for sharing with uh with me and with listeners i really appreciate you taking time yeah i hope i hope it i hope i said whatever i said i hope it helps and i hope uh yeah i just hope uh that whatever i said made sense (laughs) i'm sure it did it did to me i'm sure it will to others as well yeah right thanks to Samuel Johns for joining me and sharing his heart. My hope is that his words linger in your thoughts and your spirit as long as they have in mind. And my hope is that they prompt you to action. In the show description, there are links to the Forget Me Not project on Facebook and a music video for a song written by Samuel Johns. Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we're grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you are hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the heads, hands, and hearts of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean the desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner. Mm-hmm.